Hi, everybody, and welcome to the Toronto Real Estate Show with Janelle and Leslie. I'm Janelle Cameron. Hi there, I'm Leslie Pearson. And today we're going to talk all about things you should know if you're moving to Toronto. Welcome to the Toronto Real Estate Show with the Janelle Cameron team, the podcast that helps make your real estate dreams a reality. The Janelle Cameron team is your expert source for all things real estate in the greater Toronto area. Whether you're considering a renovation to improve your return on investment, looking at homes for the very first time, or even considering becoming an agent yourself, we've got you covered. Hey everyone, welcome back. I hope you had a great week. Thanks for tuning in. And uh, we're going to tell you the things you should know if you're planning to move to Toronto. Um, I think uh, this is an interesting topic to people only because we did a video about this on our Instagram page last week and it was so popular uh, that obviously people have an interest in knowing what they should know. So that's where we're at. So we're going to talk all about that today. Um, Let's just give a quick recap on the market. Looks to me like a more inventory coming out this week. Did you find the same, Leslie? Yeah, and I think that's um, very typical in an annual cycle. Yeah. So that made me feel a little bit better. Also, I saw, I think on the weekend, I think I saw 10 or 11 places. And one of them got 11 offers yesterday. Wow. So that was good. The other one, which was like crappy, got, I think, three offers. Um, it, they both had holdbacks. Um, and then the other ones, yeah, got like a couple of the mother, other ones got offers and they're higher end kind of, you know, town homes, what part of the city all, all over, but primarily downtown. Mm-hmm. So we went from, uh, basically, you know, I'd say like Regent park out through to like the annex. So, um, yeah, so good to see. I think, um, my, these particular clients are moving from out of town. So it's, I really like that they can see the difference between, you know, places that are priced low and going higher and places that are priced appropriately, and then be able to kind of navigate that because it's confusing for people who are, you know, not from here and they have a, uh, perception that the market here is really slowed down. Right. And in some ways it has, but in other ways, definitely it hasn't. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, but it's hard for us to prep people with that. Okay. It was like, you saw 10 houses, five of them are going to sell over asking and the other five are going to be around right. for three months. And that, that leads naturally into our topic today is mm-hmm. what to know before moving to Toronto. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, I do. Uh, so I do find more on the market now. I still see a gap between, um, Seller and buyer expectations. Yeah. We've talked about that many times. Um, yes. There have been a couple cases um, in my experience in the last week where, once again, the uh, seller chose a strategy of pricing low and having a hold back, an offer date, and um, not expect accepting what they got and relisting mm. at a grossly exaggerated price. Okay. Like that's so, and these are two properties that they did the same thing in November. So oh, they, they haven't learned their lesson and they're doing the same thing. Doing it again. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't even know what to say about that. They're no. poor agent. And, you know, I had a conversation with the agent beforehand and said, you know, you've tried this strategy before and they mm-hmm. got offers before, but your seller um, was stuck in the past and didn't have a realistic expectation. 
you know, has there been some education in the time that it has languished on the market at that grossly higher price? Mm-hmm. He said, oh, yes, he's come to his senses. <laughs> He'll accept a reasonable price. And so my client was put off by the whole thing and so didn't even go yeah. or certainly didn't submit an offer. And then I saw it was relisted at the same grossly exaggerated price. Oh, you've got it. And it was kidding. in November and then sat for two months. I mean, you know. You I, can't be <sighs> sincere about wanting to sell. No, you can't. If you're ignoring all evidence to the contrary. Yeah. And so now the first time I think they had three offers. I don't know how many this time, but I know he had offers. Yeah. Um, and so you're just, you're not listening to the market. Yeah. And it, and that's very frustrating. Um, and that, you know, as, as a listing agent, I'm not even sure how to navigate that as we've talked about that Tough. before. Mm-hmm. Like I've got, you know, Leslie and I were talking about this offline, but I've got a, a listing coming out in Pickering, North Pickering. And I, I think I'm going to try and offer date strategy and price it low and see what happens. And I think my clients in this particular case are reasonable and understanding of what market value is, but it's going to be interesting to see how it, how it goes. Will I get offers in and around the market price? Will they go higher? Who knows? Um, you know, certainly I've heard of three offers or four offers coming in and being below the asking price, which is super weird. Yeah. So I don't think that necessarily happens. No. And, you know, as we talk, um, what's the harm in trying? What's the harm in trying? That's kind of the thing. You never know until you try. And there's no stigma to try. No, no. And And you might as well make it easy I think there may have been originally when that strategy was first introduced, but there isn't anymore. Yeah. So there's no downside. So yeah, may as well do it. Yeah, I I totally agree. I hope they're on side and I will will keep you all posted Mm -hmm. next week. Um, So yeah, okay. So let's talk a little bit today about, uh, you know, what you should know if you are moving to Toronto, and this may apply to people who are moving from outside the city, but maybe also people who are moving within the city may learn a couple of things. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so the first thing I want to point out, and obviously this is most relevant to us, is that it's expensive here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you really have to understand that. And going back to my situation with my clients, I was saying that are moving from out of town. It's always sticker shock. So whether you are buying or renting, you need to understand you're going to be paying more unless you're coming from Vancouver or New York. Yeah. <laughs> Otherwise, yeah, it's it's expensive. You know, if you want to buy a house in the city, you need probably 1.5, 1.6 on mm-hmm. average. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you're looking at a condo, if you want two bedrooms, you're probably, you know, 800, 900,000. One bedroom, maybe six or seven, depending um, and then in terms of rent, you know, for a two bedroom, the average rent is now 3,400 a month. Mm-hmm. And for a one bedroom, um, I think, you know, the average was just over 2,200. So it's expensive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. The, there's sticker shock there for sure. But, you know, and even, um, something to consider is that expense extends beyond just the cost of your housing choice. That's right. Everything here is expensive. It is. Except I guess property taxes. That's right. I think that's the only exception, yeah. but for now, um, <laughs> you know, I, I don't know are, are, you know, your basic and uh, consumer goods more expensive here yeah. than elsewhere, your t- utilities. Yeah. I, I think so. Yeah. I notice even uh, when I watch shows or deal with even out in the GTA, like in the f- further out GTA, like maybe, you know, out toward Bowmanville or mm-hmm. whatever, even the cost of 
services there yeah. uh, are are much less. Even yeah. if you want, if you want to put hardwood flooring in, yeah. it's Painting, going to be half the price anything, yeah. of what it is here. Yeah. So I think that's really important for people to understand. And I would do your and research. And I guess that's because everything goes hand in hand. Yes. You know, yeah. if you're making less out there and your housing costs are less, like everything is going to be affected by that's that. That's right. Yeah. 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 Yeah, so good to get Yeah, I know my daughter who goes to university in uh, Nova Scotia couldn't believe the cost of wine here. Right. Couldn't believe it. Right, mm-hmm. right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. everything is just, and we're, you know, we're so highly taxed mm-hmm. um, on all of that kind of stuff, especially. Except for property taxes, but I think that's about to change. Yeah, I think we're going up 5%, right? 5.5%. Still, I mean, it's lower, but it's I, expensive. you know, just on a note on that, I mean, uh, you know, the city's been around for... Uh, since 1700 and something so i think uh the fact that you know our infrastructure is built our taxes shouldn't be that high (laughs) you know what i mean it's not like poor people of uh ajax Mm -hmm. you know that are pay nine times more than we do but they also are still building building their city right so yeah so uh get prepared about that if you're coming here just make sure you understand um what you're getting into the second point, which is kind of related to that, is that, as we talked about, is the price of buying a property and the strategy involved with buying a property with the low price, the going for higher and bidding wars. Yeah. And sometimes it is and sometimes it isn't. It's not universal. That, that What happens here doesn't happen everywhere. Yeah, that's right. And that's, that's tough um, mm. because people don't know how to navigate that. Uh, some of us don't know how to navigate that. And so I think all I would say about that is you have to treat every single listing uniquely yeah, and really read the fine print or have your agent read the fine print because they're the ones that get to see the fine print that you don't get to see um, and make sure that you have a good understanding of what the expectation of that property is. Yes, property values have dropped somewhat, but they're not bargain basement, right? Yeah. Like if the house was worth 1.8 last year, it might be worth 1.7 today. I mean, we're not talking like you're getting it for 900,000. Right. So I'm not really sure, you know, how that mentality has been put into uh, into the minds of some, but it's not, yeah. you know, you have to be, be aware of yeah. what realistic market value is. Uh, the other thing I find in that context that... Um People from outside, maybe uh, Toronto, um, get surprised by is the speed with with which sometimes things have to happen. That's right. I think in some maybe of the more rural um, parts of Ontario, you know, a listing goes up, and I'm sure that the days on market is longer. Yeah. So trying to get someone who isn't from here to like it came out today, we got to go see it tonight. Right. Is like, what are you talking about? Right. Like, it'll what's be the, there in the three problem? months. Yeah. 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 That's a mindset shift that has to happen as well. It, it really is. And I think even, even in this market. Yes. Even in this market. And, and uh, you know, I, I had a similar situation with an investor client of mine right now who really takes a lot of time reviewing the information before he wants to decide whether he wants to see it or not. And they're selling mm-hmm. before he can wrap his head around mm-hmm. whether or not he even wants to go. Right. It's like, if you see something interesting, like you got to jump on it. That's just how it is. And I don't care what the market is. Yeah. Um, and if it's not selling quickly, then it's, you know, it might be overpriced or it might just not be that great. Right. Yeah. So I think that's something to be aware of when you come here and you're serious about looking for a place. That's right. You have right. to be really organized, have all your, you know, ducks in a row. 
Um, and so that when you see a place you love, you can put in an offer <clears throat> and then act act promptly. That's right. Mm-hmm. Uh, just going back to the cost of living, I just found something here that I, th- I thought would be interesting. Mm-hmm. They say that the average cost of living for a family of four is over $6,000 a month and a single person uh, about $3,500. Wow. So most of that is housing here. Mm-hmm. So, um, but just keep that in mind. If you're, you know, if you're only pulling in 4,000 a month, you have to know that 3,500 of that is going to be going to your expenses. So mm-hmm. um, that's when you start to think about alternatives like roommates or mm-hmm. different things like that. You have to do what you have to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So second thing I think you should know if you come to Toronto, and this has been all over the news, but the bane of my existence is the traffic. Yeah, oh, really? The traffic is so horrendous. In fact, we've just been ranked the seventh worst in the world for traffic. Is that right? We have. And uh, yesterday, there were the top 10 worst intersection, intersections listed I for I saw traffic. that. I didn't read that. Um, yeah. What did they say? Well, number one was, no surprise to anyone who's listening here, is Lakeshore and Sherburne. So... Um, since they, you know, took down the gardener ramp. Yeah, you've really noticed an impact. It is. It has been uh, life-changing mm-hmm. for me. As somebody who drives back and forth along the bottom of the city all the time. Um, they were saying the average person sits in traffic at that intersection at, at any time of day for 30 minutes. And uh, there are, in rush hour, you could be looking upwards to two hours. Wow. Yeah. It, it's just been a disaster. Yeah. And so, you know, what, what are the plans for that? Uh, no plans because I think the, don't get me started. I mm-hmm. think this city um, is, is, you know, the war on cars continue. Let's right. just put it that way. Right. So I think that um, it's a shit show is what it is. It's just an absolute disaster. Cause I'm sorry to all of you who don't like cars. This is not reality of life. So mm-hmm. we have to figure out how to make everybody happy mm-hmm. so you keep taking down parts of the gardener our only you know major yeah that's one thing i the don't, city. I don't uh, drive yeah. through very often but that would that would like how are you what do you me. expect's gonna happen yeah yeah <laughs> anyway the city planning here is just unbelievable but uh so yeah that's all part of that traffic is crazy uh the next three worst intersections were on finch so don't go oh. don't drive on finch okay <laughs> anywhere apparently oh poor people on in North York. So, um, you are going to, they, the rule, the, what is, what's the word I'm looking for? The, um, the expression used to be, it takes an hour to get from Toronto to Toronto. (laughs) So I feel like an hour commute, whether you are on TTC or whether you're in the car, no matter where you're going is a given within within Toronto is, is a given. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. That's frustrating. It is frustrating. Mm -hmm. So that would be uh, number three. So you just have to be, you have to pack your patience when you come here. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. So the next thing I wanted to talk about a little bit on that line is about our transit system. Okay. Because I think for a big city, in my own opinion, uh, the transit is lacking. Mm-hmm. And so unless you are on the subway line, uh, of which we have very few, then you are forced to take buses or streetcars, which move at snail's pace. And you just have to understand if you're a TTC rider, 
Um, although you can get all around the city, it might take you all day to do so. Yeah, that's true. And that's definitely the road-based options are they're They're victim to the same bottleneck that we just described as, you know, car drivers. Yeah. Um, and that affects, um, then there's a relationship between that and property values. Yes. Um, because the subway, the underground public transit system is, is so much more preferable than the on-road system that houses close to public transport subway are worth more. That's right. Mm -hmm. That's right. It's a reflection of that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, you know, where I live, for example, in the beach, which is, you know, a great neighborhood and only eight kilometers Mm -hmm. to Young Street, (laughs) it would be... (laughs) <laughs> you're forced to take the, the streetcar yeah, that would, to nowhere yeah. and uh, there's no other way to get there yeah. on transit. And the average streetcar ride from the eight kilometer ride would right. be a good 45 right. minutes to an hour, right. which literally I could run faster. And I run, <laughs> I run past them every day. Yeah. You know, I sometimes on a run along queen street, I will pass two or three streetcars yeah. and I, you know, not yeah. sprinting. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. It's very, very slow. Yeah. And busy. No, I, you know, where mm. I, uh, the house I used to live in um, was within walking distance of a subway stop. And the huge, even though I didn't use it frequently, there were so many advantages of it, particularly with raising kids. I think yeah. they became much more mobile and independent, younger than in other um, maybe neighborhoods because they could access that. Mm-hmm. But, um, uh, you know, I think that um, I've since moved from there and I'm not too far from a subway stop. But what I notice is the amount of car traffic. Uh, so to avoid that bus or subway, I mean, bus or streetcar situation, people are driving to park near <laughs> that's right. a subway stop. And right. I find that in my new neighborhood. Yeah. There's lots of daytime parkers because and then they walk and get on the subway. Right. right. And so that has an implication. Um you know, for your parking availability, first of all, because, yeah. this, you know, these might be neighborhoods where not every house has a driveway. That's another topic. Yeah. Um, but also, um, you know, congestion. And with congestion comes anxiety and maybe accidents and, and issues for sure. Exactly. That's and it's just increasing the n- amount of road traffic. That's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that is... Uh, such a good point. Mm-hmm. And I also wanted to touch on that parking situation. Parking. Yeah. Ugh. Because if you are not used to city life in particular, um, finding parking in Toronto is really hard. Like you have to pay to park. So as a visitor to, you know, like not, I'm not talking about people who live there will get that first, but, um, you know, every major street you have to park on and there's parking lots, which are getting uh, less and less available because they're building condos on parking lots. So parking, especially in the city itself, is, is tough. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. it's hard to find and it's expensive. And it's expensive. So the average rate to park is at a Green Pea park, parking lot, which is our municipal parking either street or in a lot is somewhere between $10 and $22 a day. Mm-hmm. Downtown in the towers, parking averages between 35 and $50 a day. Wow. And a day is usually one hour or one and a half hours. Right. Minimum. A minimum. Mm-hmm. So 
parking is super expensive and that's obviously why people want to take TTC. Um, so we do have that issue. Mm -hmm. Uh, in fact, there was a great story on, in the news this week that a parking space was being sold at 18 Yorkville, which is a, a building in Yorkville, obviously, uh, for 175,000. It was the most expensive, a uh, parking space that had ever been listed. So mm -hmm. it was all over the news. But if you need to buy a parking spot, yeah, you're looking at 100, 150,000 for sure. Mm -hmm. But 175,000 is now the record. Wow. Yeah. Wow. But I mean, you know, would mm. you, need, you need to park your car. You got to park your car. I guess if you're living in Yorkville, you can afford it probably. Mm -hmm. um, and another thing, I don't know, is this a Toronto thing or an Ontario thing or a Canada thing? And, and am I, in fact, right? But my understanding is that anywhere in the city, um, legally, you can't park longer than three hours. So if you're visiting a place and you're longer than three hours, you could be ticketed for that. Is that a Toronto thing? It's a Scarborough thing, but I don't know if it's everywhere in it's Toronto. It's in Toronto for sure. Yeah. I don't know if it's every neighborhood. Yeah. So what I heard about that is that uh, police don't come out to ticket, you know, they um, crayon, what's that chalk. called? Chalk your car, your tires mm -hmm. and yeah. see if you've moved. Uh, right. And, but they don't come out to do that until, unless somebody complains about it. But in my old neighborhood... Thelma, who's never lived anywhere else but on Wanless Avenue, uh -huh. would thought she owned the street. Right. And uh, so she would regularly call mm. the police. Yeah. And uh, people did not know that rule. They innocently saw that parking was allowed. Right. And didn't know there was a three-hour maximum. Um, did Thelma get her tires slashed on the regular? Or? Oh, Thelma never drove, of course. Oh, of course, yes. I thought maybe she may have one of those cars in her driveway. No, we could talk a lot. About, we could have an episode about Thelma. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I don't think I'm at any risk of outing Thelma or having Thelma listen to this, but <laughs> Thelma also felt, well, we can get into parking availability yes. in, you know, with properties. Right. But one, uh, so we'll get into that later, but Thelma... Thelma's house has a mutual drive, so we can talk about that. Yes. But let's just say that um, because Thelma allows her next-door neighbor to park in the mutual drive, because Thelma herself doesn't drive, right. she believes she has a private driveway. Oh, I see. So yes. Thelma's one of those. Right. Um, yes. But so parking and whether you buy a property with parking is another mm. issue you need to know about in Toronto. Yes. Let's talk about that because yeah. some people don't know about mutual drives. Mm -hmm. So a mutual drive, I would say, is more common than not. I don't know what the percentage yep. is, but there's got to be more. I think so too. Yeah. In the, in, in the Toronto, in, in, in you know, Toronto as you get proper. further afield and lot sizes are a bit bigger, um, there's more private driveways, but right. for sure, I would agree with that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So you've got options here. If you own a house, you basically have the following options. You have no parking. You have a mutual drive where somebody has the right of way, either you or the neighbor. You have a private drive. You have a parking pad, either legal or illegal. Right. I think that's it. Yep. So parking pads are when at some point you have carved out space in the front of your property and the city has come and cut the curb 
and it's been legal and you've put a pad there and you have to pay the city. Yeah, they've issued you a permit yeah. allowing you to park on and that And you pad. pay yearly. Yeah. To we had one permit. in our old house. It might have been $300 a year, I think. Yeah. Something like that. Probably as common are illegal parking pads yeah. where somebody has not cut the curb. People do it on their own. Yeah, but they just do it on their own and they're not legal and you could get fined. Uh that I would do that if I had that if I had to for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know about about the enforcement of that. I don't know. Yeah, I think I, I think, don't know anyone who's done that. Oh yeah, I know quite a few. And and they've sold many. Okay. Yeah. Um, so that's that. Mm-hmm. Um, now also you end up with uh, mutual drive a lot a lot of the time. I think we've very got common. mostly yeah mostly mutual drives. Yeah. Um, obviously our lot sizes are very narrow, so between the two homes there is some sort of driveway, which usually runs from the curb on the city side all the way to the back of the property. And it's shocking how uh, small, how narrow that space is. I mean, even in our old house, but certainly many houses I go to see, there's what you would call a driveway down between the two houses that leads to two garages. So you know that at some point, (laughs) the house was built with the intention that people drove down there and parked in their garages, but like it's unfathomable how it was done. Yeah, because some some of of the cases, they're so narrow. Oh yeah, there's no way you could get a car. Like, and by the time you've put service boxes, hydro boxes, you know, water meters, all this stuff on the side of the home, there's no chance you could get a car down there. Mm-hmm. But sometimes you can. And the rule of thumb is if you can get your car down, you have to move then through the mutual drive and onto your your yeah. spot, into your uh, property line. So in order to park, you have to be able to get your car off the mutual part. Yeah, you can't yeah. block the other person. Yeah. So um, you both have, you know, access but you have to then get off the mutual drive. Right. So, but probably more often you see mutual drives where nobody can fit the car no, down. No, no. And so now you've got a little bit of space at the beginning, which is useless. So although sometimes the listing and legally it says there is a parking spot, which they mean at the back. Right. The reality is you're never going to get a car there. So, um, you know, you, those people buy street permit parking. Yeah. And so you can buy a permit from the city if you are lucky enough on that street. They don't issue them to everybody. But if you can get a street permit, then you would park on the street and, and not in that mutual drive because you can't block your neighbor. Yeah. Mutual drives are a source of so much homeowner frustration and, and such a potential source of um, difficulty. Uh, we I know of um, a party that has is half of a mutual drive and um by rights they're right in objecting to even the garbage cans being on the mutual part right like but you're not using it for any like yeah i just don't understand the purpose of being mean just for the sake of it yeah but by rights garbage cans can't be in the mutual or like um even up high um air conditioning uh, units can't are not supposed to be in the mutual part of the drive yes like ludicrous, but you never know what some homeowner is going to get a bee in their bonnet about. Yeah, and uh, I've heard of a case where it, you know, came to came to fists. Yeah, fists were flying yeah. over garbage cans. Yeah, I'm. I. I yeah. yeah, I'm not even yeah. surprised by that. Sadly. Yeah, and then uh, you mentioned that you can get street parking permit parking. Um, that also, I I have now street permit parking where I live. 
And that probably cost me, it's less than a couple hundred a year. Yeah. I just did it for peace of mind because where I'm supposed to park is quite tight. Um, but some streets don't have permit parking. My yeah. old house where Thelma lives and where yeah. I used to live does not have. Right. You can't buy a permit for right. that street. Right. But everybody owns more than one car. So they just park on the street and wait for Thelma to call for the over three hour. Right. Walk, which right. Thelma does maybe four times a year. Yeah. Yeah. And right. when they come, they can't just ticket the one that Thelma's complaining about. Yeah. They, they have to, have to ticket, to ticket the whole street. Yeah. So, um, yeah, if you can get permit parking on yeah. a street where you don't have. Um, parking allocated to your part property that's good yeah if not you know park there and you know we always considered when we had two cars that you know our fine four times a year was worth doing it yeah yeah um, and it seems like a lot of it depends on um a lot of it depends on uh whether there are too many permits issued yeah. already for the street. Yeah, they try and control it for sure. Yeah. But, you know, that's something that your real estate agent will know. They can look up with the city uh, records and find out if permits are available on a certain street. That's and right. reassure you, you know, that you should be able to get one if you buy a hop, uh, property without housing. But I know, you know, parking is a big thing that non-Torontonians are stunned by when they come here. Exactly. Because like, how can people buy right. a house for 1.5 and you don't know where you're going to park and carry right. your groceries from right. every night. And, uh, and uh, you know, that's one thing I want to make sure people, everybody knows about is because uh, it's always shocking to me when people are surprised mm. that they, what do you mean I can't get parking or mm. what do you mean it's mutual drive or mm-hmm. um, what do you mean I can't build or add a parking pad. So that's the other thing I wanted to say about all of that is that if you don't have a parking pad, but you want one, you're not going to get one. Mm-hmm. Like the city just doesn't they put a moratorium on yeah. them. Yeah. And the same with a garage. If you, if you are lucky enough to have a garage and I don't know what percentage of, of the population that is, if you have one, good Lord, never tear it down. I don't care how bad it is, you know, renovate it or whatever, but these people that tear down a garage because they want the yard space or whatever. Like, I appreciate that, but the value on a garage is so high because they're so rare and you cannot build them. Right. You're not allowed to build, you know, detached garages anymore. Uh, Well, I thought of another, we're going to have to carry this topic over to another day. We We could have a whole topic based on parking, but because we'll carry it over to another day, I don't mind rambling on about one other issue of parking. Another type of parking that you didn't list that just occurred to me is a huge thing right now is lane parking. Oh, the lane parking. Yes, of course. This is when your property has a laneway at the back of the property that people, homeowners may access to come onto their property off the lane to park. Yes. Some people have a, a you know, have it, their property set up so that they can park back there. But a lot of people don't. A lot of people extend the fence right to the back of the property line and park elsewhere on the street. But regardless, what's really interesting now is that relatively recently, the city has allowed the creation of laneway homes. That's right. And um, which is, I believe, a fabulous thing in terms of our housing crisis and also uh, an important element to consider when you're looking at homes and maybe value or you know equity growth potential if there isn't a laneway home yeah and you decide to put one in i don't think that um it's taken off huge yet i think there's a lot of pushback from neighbors yeah, who I don't, don't want to look out yet. their back window right. and see a house in the but i've seen many of them and they're fabulous yeah. and i think what a great way to um 
you know, what a great housing option and a great way to add value to your house. Right. Now, you know, a lot of those people putting the laneway houses on their property means they lose their parking spot. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and that's so quite a dilemma. Not always, but, but yeah, sometimes. Yeah, quite yeah. often. Yeah. They yeah. The ones they I tend the... to see have, have built in a parking spot. Oh, uh, that's nice, yeah. yes. Um, and then an, an, an unrelated to parking, a, another thing that I think recently got approved is um, the allowance of garden suites. So those are tiny little dwellings at the back of your property that aren't even connected to a drive. Right. That's going to be allowed. That's going to be That's a whole different conversation. Yeah. But, yeah, but I, I certainly thought of lane parking. And so that is another, it's kind of like private parking, but it's access through a lane. Yeah. Lane. Sometimes that causes problems for snow removal and different yeah. things like that. I've never like really that. been clear on how that's handled. I think it just depends because some are city lanes yeah. and some are uh, private lanes. And right. so you need to determine if it's a private lane, most people... So the homeowners who use or have use it pay, go in on it usually, yeah. but I think like a lot of the laneways I know of that people Our live city. on are nobody does it. Nobody does it at all. Yeah, you I go worried out about, and do I your wondered own little about, bit. Yeah, I wondered about that. Yeah, mm-hmm. and so you know that's tricky too. Mm-hmm. But you're right. We're already at half an hour, so maybe we should carry this on yeah. next week because I think we have a lot more things to say about moving to Toronto. Yeah, I mean, certainly what we've seen is in Toronto, we like to talk about real estate and we like to talk about the traffic hell and parking yeah. nightmare. <laughs> So that, that kind of hijacked our conversation today. It did. But that's we're okay. not even done. It's but a big part of moving here. That's right. And the thing is, like, people need to know that, right? Yeah. Like, if you are not familiar, I think you need to know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, good. So, um, yeah. I, let's we have other on. car things to talk about, too. Is another thing to know before we, I know we're wrapping up, but yeah. before we, because we may not come back to this part of moving to Toronto, yeah. is car theft. Oh, my Don't God. Don't get me started on oh, car, yeah, theft. car theft. You probably have the highest rate of car theft in Canada. I think we do. And, Except uh, for poor Brampton. I think they're beating oh, us now. I know. Yeah, those poor burgers. But that's something to think about as well. Yeah. What kind of car you buy, where you keep it. Exactly. And your risk of theft in yeah. different neighborhoods. That's right. We can talk more about that, but I don't want to. It's too depressing. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> okay, everyone. Uh, stay tuned then for part two next week, and we will go over this um, a little bit more. So in the meantime, feel free to reach out. Let us know if there's anything specific you want to know for our next conversation about moving to Toronto and what you should be uh, prepared for. Make sure you're following us on all of our social channels, which is at the Janelle Cameron team. And this week we will wish you happy real estate. Happy real estate, everyone. We hope you've enjoyed the Toronto real estate show with the Janelle Cameron team. But more importantly, we hope you feel better informed and enthusiastic about your real estate future. We know buying and selling can be stressful, so let us help. If you're looking for hands-on support in the greater Toronto area, the Janelle Cameron team from Remax Hallmark Realty is ready to assist. Visit JanelleCameron.com. That's J-E-N-E-L-L-E Cameron.com. Or dial 416-486-5588. Join us again next week as we deliver more content to help you reach your real estate dreams.